Okay, Booker Tov, today's daf is Baba Kama Pei Aleph 81. We pick up at the very bottom line of Pei Amud Bet. And we're dealing with uh, certain uh, takanot that were made in order to protect uh, it, the uh, land of Israel, the actual physical land and the landscape and also people, like not raising dogs and so on. Okay, Tana Rabbanan, last line. Asar Tanoim Hisna Yehoshua. Yeshua made ten uh, stipulations, meaning ten stipulations, are, these are assumed to be agreed upon, and when they went in to conquer the land, that these would be ruling for the entire uh, society. So most of these, as it's very different from our Mishnah, which are restrictions to not damage others. These are stipulations to allow people a certain degree of freedom, even relating to private property of others. Okay, so number one is that people could go ahead and graze their animals in the uh, forest. We learned before that you're allowed to own sheep and goat if you graze them in the forests. And here you're even allowed to do it in private forests, which is quite surprising. Okay, but presumably there was not a concern that, you know, you weren't using it to raise crops and there was not a concern that it would destroy the vegetation and the vegetation would go back, grow back. And you could gather up sticks in other people's, you know, property uh, to use for firewood now um, or maybe to feed your animal if it's like, I don't know, hay or something. But we'll take a look. The Gemara is going to qualify a lot of this because like maybe the owner wants to use it for that. And you can gather up grasses, you know, you know, any where, not just in the fields, but like wherever you find grass, you can grab, you know, get it to feed your animal. Um, and again, we'll have to see what, a, you know, is that really true in all cases that, the, you know, it, it, it that, that, I mean, if it's a case where like it doesn't really, it's assumed it's not really going to hurt the owner, it makes sense. People have a, you know, have a right to do that. Um, that, I mean, obviously if Yoshua did not make this takana, they would not have the right because it's my private property, whether it goes to waste or doesn't go to waste, but it would make sense that if, you know, nobody's really being hurt, that Yoshua would say, you don't have a right to stop people. But the Gemara is going to qualify because obviously there are cases where the owners could be hurt. Okay, so let's take a look. Um, except for fenugreek, when you, by removing grass that's growing near fenugreek, you're going to hurt the fenugreek. Okay, and you can also break off like twigs um, anywhere, except for, you know, branches or sprigs of an olive tree. Um, Rashi said you would be breaking these off not to use as like, uh, of, um, you know, not to use for firewood, but in order to actually use for your own planting. Again, that's pretty surprising. Um, okay, but for the olive tree, it was considered to be too, too harmful. Now, this is a really big shocker, that if a well spring comes up by itself, then that is considered to be public property, even though it is on your private property, you know, people need water, and when you find an underground well, that actually, you know, be, you know belongs to the public, or at least B'nai Adam Mistapki means they have a right to use it. Maybe you own it, but they have a right to use it. Um, Tosa says that if, you know, you dug a well, there's other cases in the Gemara evidence that if you were actually the one who dug it, um, 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 then... Um, um, you know, then, then you do have a right to the water that comes up. But really speaks, you know, shows you about the reality about, you know, society and, and you know, um, at that time and how water was like a, a, com- a public good and a desperate need. Um, all right. So, um, 
Okay, umechakim biyama sheltveria. People could this all is this is rights like that. Everybody has, even though things technically would be other people's property. Okay, umechakim biyama sheltveria, like the word that you can like you can go hook fishing um, in the um, Tiberius, um, even though you know it's on the shores of um, other people. Provided that you do not spread out like types of uh, traps, which will cause the boats to get caught in them. Uh, and you can go behind a fence, like a, a getter often means like a stone fence, um, and uh, relieve yourself. Um, Niftin actually means like, you know, defecate. Um, you, you need privacy. Even by a field filled with saffron, uh, saffron was so precious in the ancient world that it was literally worth its weight in gold. Um, and nevertheless, you know, when you got to go, you got to go. Again, I don't know, maybe the, um, you know, maybe the, uh, you, you know, the thing provided good fertilizer. Um, but um, but uh, it, it, it sounds like it might have damaged the saffron and nevertheless, we allowed that to happen, which is a big shocker. But uh, this just, you know, shows it's like a Kavrabrios type of an issue. Okay, um, where were we? And you can go in the uh, paths of the Rishus um, which, uh, until the second rain falls. So what this means is, is that, you know, when the, the, after the rain is falling and the grain is growing, you're not allowed to cut through somebody's field. You're going to damage it. But after the, after the, after the uh, grain has been cut, you know, it's a fl- field is lying fallow, then people have a right to cut through the field um, um, even because there's not a concern that they'll damage, nothing is planted and they're not going to damage anything um, until, you know, the second rain after the seeding. At that point already, then you cannot do it because you will damage the, the plots, uh, the, the, the plants. Now, now, what is Rishus? So Rashi actually says that, um, that it means permission and that it means that people give permission to cut through the field um, and, you know, their path, and now maybe they want you not to just make your own path. They'll make a very specific path and they're called Shvili Rishus. Those are the paths that people permit you to walk through and you're allowed to, you know, and Yoshua sort of, maybe they allowed you once Yoshua said they had to allow you, but anyway, it was only until the second rain. Um, others say that the word Rishus means that they're privately owned and even though they're privately owned, you're allowed to do it. Okay, when we start in Litzidi HaDrachim, HaDrachim, you can go to the edges of the pathway into private property. And we're going to see that this is going to be at a time when all of the mud, you know, from the rainy season or whatever, and then it becomes the summer and it, it hardens and, you know, it's like it's a very uh, sharp and bumpy and hard to walk in the main path. You're allowed to go over to the edge, even though you're going into private property. Um, uh, that's Yesedos, like the, the pegs of the, of, of the way. The Atoa ben Akramim, and if somebody is lost amongst the vines in a vineyard, Mafsig Viorid, he can actually cut his way to get out of it or cut his way to get down, you know, through it, um, the, the vineyard, in order to get back to a street. Like, let's say, you know, you can see the street is above you, but you have no way of knowing how to get out unless, but, you know, you can cut yourself a straight line and then maybe you'll be able uh, to get back to civilization. Okay, umay smitzvah konamikomo. And if a person dies and, uh, you know, nobody knows uh, whose relative it is and who the person is, he has a right to be buried wherever he dies. It doesn't matter who owns that property. Okay, now we're going to unpack all of this. That they can go ahead and graze their animals in the uh, in the forest. That's how it connects to what we're talking about. But this is even privately owned forests. That's only small animals grazing in a thick forest. 
but a small animal, meaning a sheep or goat, grazing in a thinly uh, dense, for, you know, a forest that's not so dense, Vagasa uh, Bagasa, or a large animal grazing in a densely uh, dense forest, low, that's not allowed, because that might damage it too much. And again, if it's yours, you can do it, but this is talking that it's somebody else's. The closer can Gasabadaka below, and certainly a large animal, a cow, whatever, grazing in a, um, in a thin forest is not allowed, somebody else's. You can gather up uh, twigs, whatever, from somebody else's field. So now we have some very logical res- uh, you know, qualifications here. That's only talking about things that are um, like uh, uh, thorn bushes. That's okay. That we assume the owners don't care about. And other would know. You know, they want it for their firewood. Even if it's thorn bushes, that's only things that are actually attached to the ground. Because then, you know, okay, you're going to the effort to pull them out and you're maybe doing a favor to the owner, you know, who wants thorn bushes in their property. But if they've already been pulled out, then the owners, maybe they pulled, they pulled it out and they want, to, they want to use it for firewood. Even if it's attached, it's growing. That's only if it's moist. If it's dry, not. Because again, maybe if it's dry, it's much more ready for firewood. So we have to assume that the owner is going to possibly want it. So again, this is not allowed um, that for, for you if you're really going to hurt the owner. Um, and even if you're doing it the moist, you can't go ahead and like really um, uproot it in a way that damages the soil. So the basic point is, you know, other than a few cases where there was like real brios, you know, or like overriding things like the case about May Smith's or the case about, you know, relieving yourself, most of these is Yoshua sort of saying like, even though you privately own it, you can't stop somebody because there's a general need and because you're not really losing anything. But as soon as you're losing something, then it's not allowed. At least that's what the Gemara sort of makes clear and qualifies. Okay. And you can gather grasses in any place, you know, like, like, like weeds and other things that are growing up that are of no interest for the owner, except for fenugreek, where presumably it's, help, it's helpful. So the Gemara says, Are you telling me that fenugreek, the grasses are good? If fenugreek grows up with other types of grasses, you do not um, require, uh, I'm sorry, if fenugreek, you know, you know yeah, happens to grow with other types of grasses, you do not require somebody to uproot the fenugreek or to uproot the other grasses because of kilayim. Why? Because it's happened by itself. You didn't plant it. So therefore, the only problem with kilayim is, is if you want them to be growing. But if it's actually damaging and you don't want them to be growing together, then it's not a kilayim problem since you didn't plant it. So you see that it's actually damaging. Amr of Yemiyalokash, it's not difficult. Kan lezera, kan lezirin. It depends whether it's for the seed or whether it's for the stalk. For the seed, it damages. For the stalk, it's good. Lezera, kashule, for the, if you want it for the seed, it damages. So that's the case where it's not a Kilayan problem. Lezirin, but if you want it to, if you want the fenugreek for the stalk, uh, I lost my place. Lezirin, kashule, asavim. So for the, for the seed, the, the grass is bad. Lezirin, because it weakens the, the seeds, um, so it's counterproductive. So that, that's the case where it's not a um, Kilayan problem and you would be allowed to uproot the, uproot the grass. Uh, 
Um, I'm sorry. So that, let me write that. Lezera kashulei asavim demachachashile. For the seed, the grass is bad that it weakens it. So if somebody is growing it for the seed, it's not a, well, if it happened by itself, it's not a lying problem. If the person's interested in the fenugreek for the seed, because it's damaging the, the grass, and you would be allowed to pull out the grass. Lezerin, if somebody's interested for the stalk, malulei, the grass is good. And in that case, you're not allowed to pull out the grass, and it would be a kilayim problem, okay, if it was really of a different min. Because when the fenugreek is grown between, you know, grass, mirkava, then it will sort of spread out on the other vegetation, and it actually helps the stalk. So in a case where it's not a kilayim problem, whatever, that's a case where the grass is good, and you cannot remove the grass. So or a difference between whether it's growing for, 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 for human consumption or for animal consumption. Um, Kivan de why would that make the difference? Because if you're growing it for animal consumption, So the one, Dezara, the one who planted it also wants the grass to feed the animal. All right, so therefore, you know, don't, if, if, if it is for animal, that's when Yoshua said that, you know, the Takana did not allow you to pull out the grass. So the one says, Minaya Dinon, where, how do you know which is which? So Amr of Papa, Shari Nishari Adam. if it's in rows, then it is for human consumption. Lo Shari Nishari, if it's not in rows, it's for animals. I don't know why there would that be difference. I also don't know how, the, how you would know whether you want it for seed or for stocks, the earlier answer of the Gemara. Okay, the coat minitia bechomakom um chutzmi griffia chelzayas, and you can you know uh, uh, cut off a, a twig in any place from a growing tree, except from except a, sh- a shoot of an olive of uh, of an olive tree. Um, okay, so the Gemara says like this: Tanchum When it's talking about an olive, it has to be a kibetza. Exactly what this means is a whole debate. Anyway, one way to understand this is you can only cut off, you know, the size of a twig, the the the, the size the size of an egg. Now the problems we just said before, you can't cut it off from an olive twig. So. It's a whole complicated exactly, you know, what this is talking about. Does it mean that the thickness of the twig has to be a kibetz and then it's allowed? Not clear. If it's other types of reeds or uh, or um, uh, grapevines, you can cut it off from like where it's got the little, you know, like the little knuckle, the little bump and above. Um, and other types of trees, you can do it from like the uh, inside of the tree, says Rashi, or different explanations, but not from the top of the tree. All right, so cutting it off in a way, it's again, there's whole debates about what every single one of these means. But the bottom line is you can cut off a little twig if it's not going to injure the tree and not considered like something that the owner would want for himself. Um, okay. You can only cut it off from a new twig, which is not already growing fruit, not from a twig, not from a branch that fruit is growing from. And you have to grow it off from from a place not exposed to the sun, because the stuff exposed to the sun obviously will produce better fruit, and the owner would not want you to break it off. Sorry. Uh, you have to break it off from a place that doesn't see the sun not from the place that's exposed to the sun you know from the sweetness of the of the growth of the sun so therefore it has to be from the inside of the tree and from a part that you know again it would be not injuring the owner to be breaking off a little twig top of 
And if a new well, the um, uh, the owners, you know, the uh, the people can uh, have a right to use it, even if it's on private property. I'm a rabbi barav who never knows in lo domim, and but you have to pay for it. It's still his. I mean, they have a right because people have a right. You know, water is a is a necessity, but he still owns it. We don't rule that way. You know, that was, maybe that sort of resonates for us that we are deep believers in private property, um, but that actually says no. You know, they have a right. But again, it's not clear that, you know, that it's publicly owned. How much water can they take from it? Can they take enough to do their laundry? Can they take enough to shower every day? You know, that's not clear. It sounds like he still owns it, but they have a right for a certain degree of using of the water. Okay, you can go uh, like uh, uh, um, fishing with a, with a hook um, that, uh, you know, normal like cast fishing in the uh, ocean of Tveria. Provided that you do not go ahead, you know, and put out types of traps that will, um, that will cause the boats to get caught. But you can use um, like nets. So there's a, you know, there's a type of like a, a, a box trap which can cut a boat, but nets would be allowed. Now, the way Tosis explains this, he says there are three levels. Like fishing with a cast fishing, um, anybody can do, even if it's not your private property. You can go into somebody else's private property and, you know, fish off of their, uh, fish off of their shore, you know, in the Kinaret. Um, the the big type of wooden or you know box traps or whatever they would be nobody is allowed to do it even if you have the property that is around the ocean the the uh, Kinaret, because that would cause the ships to uh, to get caught up um, but if you are the owner you are allowed to at least do net fishing okay so non owners can do cast fishing owners can do net fishing nobody can do um, the type of like big traps. Okay, Tana Rabbanan. Originally, this tribes made a condition with one another. Um, not to spread out this type of a, uh, you know, of a big trap that would cause the boats to get caught. But people did have a right to use, to use nets and other types of traps. Tana Rabbanan. The uh, Kinneret fell in Naftali's portion in Eretz Yisrael. And not only that, but he even got a piece of the, you know, of the shore at, on the south, even though he, his portion was really, you know, the um, east of Eretz Yisrael, but he also got cut into the south of Tveria, um, of the south of the shore. Uh, where were we? Uh, um, I'm sorry. He will inherit both the the west, meaning the west of the Kinneret, the shore of the Kinneret on the west, and um, the south of the Kinneret. Things that were detached in the mountains, all of the tribes had rights to it. Things that were at- attached belonged to that tribe. Rashi says it means for the, like, w- when they went into Eretz Israel initially and conquered Eretz Israel, so anything that was like, uh, that wasn't part of the landscape was considered the booty of the land, you know, and uh, the property that they seized from the entire land. And that, interestingly, was not based, did not get divided based on whose portion and whose tribe it fell in. That got divided equally. At least that's the way Rashi explains it, a much broader uh, understanding than just specifically like, uh, you know, like like branches that had fallen off. Um, okay, you could have... Um, 
Um, and no tribe in Israel did not get a you know a, a different you know different the range of the different landscapes available in Israel. There's no tribe that did not get all of the following, both you know mountains and lowlands and dry lands and valleys. Go into the mountain of the Amorite and all of its neighbors. And it mentions all of those. Of course, not everybody got the Chofayam. Okay? But everybody is going in and getting that, so everybody is going to get a range of the different landscapes. And that was true also about, you know, the tribes that inherited it before, the seven Canaanite nations. All of its neighbors. Its neighbors also had all of those different landscapes. I don't know exactly what it does with Chof Hayam, and it doesn't seem like it actually was accurate um, and true to how the land was divided, but okay. And you can relieve yourself on the back, uh, you know, on the other side of the uh, stone fence. Even in a field filled with saffron. This is not needed, meaning it's so obvious that this is permissible, not uh, so obvious to me. Is it so obvious because of Kavad Brios? Or is it so obvious because maybe, you know, the, it, it ultimately helps the field and it fertilizes it? So he says the real Chiddush here is that you can take a stone from the stone wall and use it to uh, wipe yourself. That that's allowed. Okay. Um, uh, Even on Shabbos, it's a classic example of Kavra Brias overriding a Durabanan because obviously the stone is Muktzah. Marzudra Chasidah Shakil Mahadir. Marzudra was a Chasid, so he, you know, took it and he wiped himself with it and then he put it back in the wall, I guess, in a way that, you know, it was not uh, exposed, uh, you know, the, the, what he had wiped himself on. Um, and then he said to his attendant, Zil Shirke, go ahead and plaster over it. Okay, obviously not on Shabbos. So plaster over it so that, because now he just used it to wipe himself. So he wanted it to go back in the wall, but he obviously did not want it to be disgusting for other people. So he plastered over it. Okay. And you go into the paths um, of, uh, that, that are either paths that you have permission to go into, you know, that or that are owned by private people. Anyway, you can cut through um, the fields before the planting season until the second rain has come down. Um, but our fields actually, even after there's just been dew, it would be difficult to walk on. It doesn't need to wait for the second rain. So obviously you can't walk on it at any time when there, it could do damage to the field. It's only in times when Nobody is hurt by you cutting through their yard. Okay, uh, where are we? And you go to the edge of the way because of the pegs, meaning, you know, the sharp uh, mud that is uh, hardened, um, so you can walk on private property to avoid that. Okay, Shmuel and Rav Yehuda were, you know, going and walking on the way. And he walked over to the edge of the path because it was the dry season and it was very uh, bumpy and sharp, like we've taught. Um, now, by the way, remember that this was Hisne Yehoshua. Yehoshua made this stipulation in Eretz Yisrael. Here we're outside of Eretz Yisrael. Before 
we said that Bavel, they treated themselves like Eretz Yisrael for the restrictions that were in the Mishnah about the small animals. Here we're talking about special permissions, but apparently Shmuel is assuming that whatever permissions were as true about Yoshua, we can somehow assume that it was implicit in any Jewish society or certainly in Bavel, but that's itself fascinating. Okay, so he went in and he went to the sides. I'm only Rev Yehuda. Um, um, so that's what Rev Yehuda is going to challenge him with. I'm Rev Yehuda. Tonight, she's saying Yoshua, feel bebavel, feel bebavel. Do you have the, the conditions Yoshua made? Were they in bavel? I mean, obviously they weren't. Yoshua was only Eretz Yisrael. I'm lay shaniomer, feel bechutzarts. Yes. I mean, I say even Chutzarts. Now, again, is he claiming Yoshua said this, you know, or is he saying that we should assume that any Jewish uh, community, you know, is implicitly going to be operating with these parameters? Rebbe, Rebbe, Chia, Havi, Shakli, Azi, Rebbe and Rebbe Chia were going on the way. I started with and they went to the side. This is in Eretz Yisrael. This is Rebbe Yudah Nasi. Havi, Kamasia, Vazi, Rebbe Yudah Ben Knusa. Now, Rebbe Yudah Ben Knusa, he was not going to the side. He was going in the middle of the road. And he was like, you know, like what you do in a river, like you jump from one rock to the next. He was jumping from like one place to the next, and that's how, and navigating all of these. Bumpy road. Um, so he come out in front of them. I'm going to Rebbe to Rebbe Chia. So Rebbe said to Rebbe Chia, Muse, Shemar Gdola Bifneinu. Who is this that's showing himself off to be such a big shot? Oh, he's so from, he can't go on the side of the road. And he's doing it in our presence, like suggesting, like if he wants to do it on his own, fine. But here we, Rebbe Yehuda Nasi, you know, the greatest, the political and, you know, leader and the rabbinic leader of the generation in Rebbe Chia, they're on the side of the road and he's too from to do it. So, that's like a little bit of an affront. Amalei Rebbe Chia, Shema Rebbe Yudah ben Knusa Tamidihu. His name, Shem, excuse me, Shema Rebbe Yudah ben Knusa Tamidihu. Maybe it's Rebbe Yudah ben Knusa, my student. V'chomasav l'shem Shemayim. And because he's, you know, believe me, he's doing it l'shem Shemayim. He's not trying to show that he's better than us. He really, really just likes, you know, is super careful about these things. Kimadu l'gabei chazye. When they came to him, they saw, yes, Taket was him. And therefore, Rebbe felt better because he didn't feel like it was done to be making an affront. Amalei, love Yudah ben Knusat, if you were not Rebbe Yudah ben Knusat, uh, uh, cut off your, uh, your, your, your legs with an iron, like, uh, uh, um, you know, a hatchet, with an, with an iron uh, um, um, axe. So, you, you know, you're jumping with your legs and you're trying to show you're, you're better than us. So if you were anybody else, I would have said it was an affront, but with you, I obviously didn't mean it literally. Rashi says he means he would have put you in Nidoy, but anyway, but you're doing it, I trust, you know, I trust Rebuda that you're doing it with Shem Shemayim. Okay. Somebody who's uh, erring in the vineyard, you know, you can go ahead and cut his way out. Um, if you saw somebody sort of get who's lost in the vineyards, you can cut your way in and get him and then cut your way out until you get him back to a town or to the road. And same the person himself that's lost. Okay, you can do it yourself for yourself. My vechen, what do you mean also you? I mean, if somebody else can save you, you can save yourself. No, I might have thought, if your friend is coming from outside the vineyard, he knows how to cut a path to get to you and how to get back out. So him will allow, it won't be destructive, it won't be overly destructive. You don't know where the heck you're going. So um, so you don't have a right to cut your way out, you're going to do a lot 
lot of destruction. You're totally lost. You should have to go by, you know, get yourself into the edges of the vineyard. And even if it, you know, it's going to get, you you know, even though it seems to you that that's going to cause you much, 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 much more distance, you know, and you think you have a short path out if you would cut your way, since you don't know what you're doing, maybe you'd be forced to do that. Kamash Malan, we don't say that. That even if you don't know what you're doing, you know, you can go the way you think is right, even if it means you have to cut your way through. Okay, so the Gemara says now, what do you mean that this is a Tanai of Yoshua? Saving somebody who is a Doraisa. And how do you know you have an obligation to return somebody's, the same way you have an obligation to return their lost object, you have an obligation to return, you know, their body to them. So, or this is a little type, different type of a Hashavah, you're returning him to his town. It's not clear what the Gemara thinks, it's like Pikuach Nefesh, but whatever. But helping somebody, saving somebody who's lost, how do you know you're obligated? You return him, you return him to himself. So, so the Gemara says, yes, you do have an obligation to help him, Doraisa. Doraisa, who Mitzri. Doraisa, but if Doraisa, you, you would have to do it without damaging somebody else's property. You'd have to do it by going at the edges. Asahu came Yoshua, Tikein de Mafsig Voleg, Mafsig Vioreg. He established that you can actually cut your way through to get in and out, and that was his Takana. Okay, we will stop here for now.